0: Hello and welcome to Spartan Red Zone. I'm going to be your host, Derek Grantham. I got Anthony Brown next to me. He's going to be my
1: co-host tonight. Thank you for coming, Anthony. Hey, great to be here, Derek. Always a pleasure being in the studio with you.
0: Excellent. Fantastic. Expect more of Anthony Brown later in the season, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking a little bit about Michigan State football. Actually, we're going to be talking all Michigan State football. Maybe a little Lions here and there. Who knows? I don't know.
1: As long as it's football, I'm happy.
0: As long as it's football, I am happy as well, my friend. Well, first off, let's start off with Western versus Michigan. (laughs) Last week's game in at Spartan Stadium how would you feel about that game Anthony
1: uh you know uh, i was a little bit uh disappointed to be honest with you i mean it was great that we got the win i'm definitely excited that we started off the season 1 and 0 uh the first game of the season is never never an easy battle no matter who you're playing um as michigan showed us uh, many years ago with the appalachian state game <laughs> uh it's it's a little bit difficult so um it was good though you know uh, to see the team in action finally uh, a lot of uh you know Unanswered questions coming in, but I think we kind of got a preview for um, what to expect in the coming weeks. Uh, But you know, we uh, definitely—at least I know I did—I thought, uh, I thought, uh, at least I hoped that we were going to put up a little, little more uh, from the offensive side of the ball. We didn't see the offense uh, look too threatening at all, and I think moving forward, it's definitely going to be an issue for this team.
0: Well, we talked about that a lot before we actually started the show—is the lack of offensive productivity. And a lot of quarterback questions for the Michigan State Spartans this year, as well as at the receiver position tight. And just all basically, since we lost Le'Veon Bell, Deion Sims, like key pieces to our offense. Maxwell is, is obviously was named the starter during the offseason. But DeAntonio came out and he said that there's a four-quarterback race. How do you feel about that? Do you? My thought – sorry, I asked you a question, but I'm going to go ahead and interject myself. No, by all My means. thought is this, is when you have – When you have a coach saying that there's a four-quarterback race, for you, does that mean that we don't have any reliable starters on the team, or what do you think?
1: I mean, for me, you know, I always want to look at, at, as a coach, as a leader of this team, what kind of message are you sending to the rest of your team? And, yeah, I mean, to the quarterbacks, yeah, there's four of them, and you're sending confidence in all four of those guys that you think that they might have a shot to lead this team, or they might have what it takes to... uh, to to be the quarterback for the Michigan State Spartans. But, you know, as opposed uh, to what it's – saying to the rest of the team you know that that you're not really confident enough in into one starter to name him your guy and to say you know what no we're sticking with him we're going with him Maxwell's my guy Maxwell's my guy and you know whether it be Maxwell Cook I mean whoever that he's going to put at the helm I want to see some consistency I mean you know we talked about um you know, we talked about last year in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl when uh, when Connor Cook came in, came into the game and did great. You know, let us right down the field for that scoring drive. And then D'Antonio put Maxwell back into the game. You know, it's just a lot of, to me, a lot of mixed signals. And I think we still got a lot of that same feeling from this Western Michigan game.
0: That's the thing that I don't get. It's funny that you bring that up last year in the bowl game and how Connor Cook had a good drive. He sustained a good drive, was able to put the football in the end zone, and he put Maxwell right back in. Uh, during the press conference, the post-game press conference after the game, D'Antonio was talking about how the quarterback the quarterback that he wanted in the game, he wanted to be able to get into the end zone. But before he even said that, he said that the receivers kept dropping balls. He said that there was a lack of separation, lack of explosive plays. And he, he, he went on to say that he didn't think it was the quarterback's fault that they weren't able to put it in the end zone. Now, why would you continue to sub in quarterbacks, different quarterbacks, if you didn't think – the problem was at the quarterback position.
1: I completely agree, and I think there's some underlying, uh, you know, things that are being said there that aren't being said out loud. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see here in the coming weeks. You know, we definitely saw some split. Uh, some split time in week one uh, with both quarterbacks and kind of the same results, um, you know, with with the big picture. But you know, you can't go a full season, especially in the Big Ten, especially yeah. with with some of these teams that we're going to be playing in the coming weeks. I mean, you have to have a guy and you have to have a system and you have to stick to that. It's about chemistry.
0: It's not about. I mean, he wants people. He wants someone to be the field general and move the football down the field. Yet he's he's continuing to switch the most important position on the field, and you talk about lack of chemistry. Like how how are the how is the team supposed to put their themselves? in the right frame of mind to be like, oh, this is the guy that I want to start. This is the guy that we're going to ride throughout the rest of the season. When you keep switching quarterbacks on and off, like eventually he's going to have to come to a point, like you said, where he has to pick someone to lead the team and stick with it.
1: I mean, these guys are practicing together all week and they're building relationships. You build that chemistry, like you said, and you know if you're splitting first-team reps between quarterbacks, you know, with the inexperienced receiving core that this team has, that's not doing them any favors. I mean, we need... If we want this to get better, if we want to see a change, in my opinion, I I feel like we need to have a first-string quarterback. That's it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, end of story.
0: Can you even remember a time where there's been a college team that's actually been successful with a dual threat? Well, not dual threat. Dual threat means something else. But with two different quarterbacks, even three. They're talking about putting in... uh, They're possibly putting in uh, Terry in the game, potentially, in the second. You know, one
1: thing that I really did like uh, from this week that we saw, and, you know, we talked a lot before the season on how important this defense was going to be for this team and how that was really going to be the deciding factor on if we're going to win football games and if we're not. The defense kept them in the game
0: in week one. Like, they would have lost if it wasn't for the defense. You look at the final score, and we elated to the fact that it was 26-13, to 13, the final score. They scored two defensive touchdowns. And I'm not saying that they that those two touchdowns were the difference. Obviously, if you take those two touchdowns away, Western would have won. But continuously throughout the game, the, the, the Spartans' defense put the offense in a good position. Uh, there were several times during the first and second half where the Spartans started in Western territory. And if in the drive finished with a punt or... Or a, a turnover, a fumble, it, it, it just, it was really exhausting to watch that game. Not based on the fact that it lasted five and a half hours, which is ridiculous. It was exhausting to watch because it was, it was just terrible. Yeah, Just terrible execution on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah and you know we saw that a little bit last year with uh the first game of the year versus Boise State. Obviously a much uh more difficult opponent for the Spartans than the Western Michigan Broncos. Nothing against the Western Michigan Broncos, but Boise State uh you know they were I think ranked uh, 24th coming into that game. Uh they had a good season last year, but we kind of saw that same thing. The offense really had trouble, but the defense is what kept them in that game last mm-hmm. year. And you know, first game of the year, like we said, I mean it's going to be it's you know you're not going to be able to tell the story of a season from the first game of the football year first game of the football season but i think this is going to give us you know a kind of an indication for for what we need to improve on going forward the
0: the, the thing that bothers me though and i and i agree with you completely is the fact that we had Le'Veon Bell last year running the ball, so at least there was a backbone to the offense in some sorts. But this year, there's, there's really no one. And, and people can say, oh, Jeremy, Lang, uh, Jeremy Langford Rushford. Uh, he initially had 100 yards. Um, I think he's, he had 20 carries for 101 yards, but he lost seven yards on the last carry, which actually turned into a fumble and eventually a Broncos score. Um, so he finished with 94 yards and one touchdown, but that was the only offensive touchdown that they actually had the entire game. Connor cook uh he showed productivity running the ball with his legs Nick hill a lot of it like uh D'Antonio <laughs> talked about how Nick Hill played at the end of the game and how he showed some burst. Riley Bolo showed the power and the strength to get the job done. But we're talking about three different running backs, and no one really who was a game changer.
1: Yeah, and we've seen that in the past from this team. You know, from D'Antonio loves drawing the ball, and you know he always kind of has a. Last year was a little bit different, you know, with with uh, with Bell. But we've seen some kind of uh, committee approaches with the different backs over the years, and it's worked. We've had some decent runners, but. Um, you know, like you said, there's no one that like Le'Veon where you can give the ball, you know, to 45 times a game and and be okay. You know where he's gonna kind of carry the team. You know, and I mean we we saw some good some good uh, decent play though in week one. Yeah, we did. It's true. I mean, I'm not trying
0: to say, I'm not trying to be 100% skeptical right now. But okay, let's let's go with the positives then. Let's talk about the defense. All right, rushing yards for Western Michigan. They only they had 27 rushes the whole game, and they only netted 11 yards. I mean, that's 0. .4 yards per carry. I mean, that's getting the job done. Um, they injured first-string uh, quarterback Tyler Van Tubbergen early in the game, I think in the second quarter. So in comes freshman Zach Terrell. First throw of the game, he throws a touchdown. And he actually had another touchdown late. So he finished with two total touchdowns, but he was also intercepted uh, later in the game by... By Jerry's Jones, who actually had two interceptions. So, Jerry's Jones, he, he's a backup this year at the same linebacker position, but he managed to um, be a, a factor for the defense with two turnovers. And then there was that one play by Curtis Drummond, that one handed interception, was which was absolutely ridiculous. So, three turnovers, four turnovers altogether, three interceptions, one forced fumble. One of the forced fumbles was by Junior Marcus Rush, came in, got the sack, forced the fumble. Calhoun came in, scooped it up for the touchdown. So there's two defensive touchdowns like we already related to earlier. But overall, the defense got it done. You know, four turnovers, two touchdowns, applied pressure to the quarterbacks all day. They were in the quarterback's face the entire game.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, that's... I mean that's exactly what we expected from this group. I mean that that linebacker core was was very tough and Max Bolo and and I mean that's what they're going to have to do week in and week out because we saw that last year the defense is was uh, top uh, top four in the top country. four in the country yeah so I and I don't know if it was uh, I didn't want to say top two or top three but yeah top four top hey f-
0: you can boost it go ahead top three.
1: Top three. In my mind, they were the get, number one defense, they were number one. but you know, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but you know, we saw that in you know, uh, for, you know, the Ohio <laughs> State game last year. Games like that, where they really just, and they, they were the reason we were in that game. Still, you know, and I mean, you know, what, what is going to have to happen for this offense to get on that page? I mean,
0: I, that's the thing. Like, I think everybody's asking that question. A lot of people want to know. Who is it gonna? What's it gonna take for the offense to be productive? Is it gonna be going through Damian Terry, the freshman quarterback? And and I don't know if that's the I don't know if that's a case. I just don't think there's enough playmakers on this offense. A lot of people can blame the quarterback, blame the coaches for what he's doing, but overall, Dane Antonio has put a winning team on the field since he's gotten here. I mean, a lot of people remember that game versus Iowa two years back when Kirk Cousins. When Kirk Cousins threw like three or four interceptions versus Iowa, a lot of people wanted Kirk Cousins head on a stick. And now we're thinking back like. We were
1: a couple of those
0: people. We were. Yes, I know. I mean, but rightfully so. Kirk Cousins was a fantastic game manager, but he was never really that playmaker. I think a lot of people wanted him to be the game changer and and now that we have the quarterback situation we have today everybody's like oh wow bring back cousins because it is that bad right now
1: yeah and the grass always looks greener on the other side and always. F- and with football whether um whether a team's do- if a team's doing great the quarterback gets all the praise and if a team is not doing well the quarterback gets all the blame i mm-hmm. mean it's just that's the way it goes and this is no different so what's like for the lions yeah, I think actually I just kind of paraphrased a Matt Stafford quote from oh, the free man. press the other day. so
0: proud of you for doing it. And uh, we needed to talk about him at least once or twice um, in this conversation if not more.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely get him in there. Oh, we'll a get him bit. in
0: there. Well, sorry, continue, continue.
1: So, but saying that, um yeah, the offense I mean, they they really lacked uh in in explosiveness and excitement in in those big plays. it was kind of Frankly, I almost fell asleep a few times watching him. But, uh, you know, whether it be – I mean, you're talking about like quarterbacks both. And this is Cook and Maxwell. You know, this is just – we have a problem here. I mean, you know, less than 50% completion. I mean, you're not going to win football games consistently putting that kind of a product on the field.
0: So you you related to the fact a little bit earlier that when a team's struggling well, when an offense is struggling, the quarterback shoulders most of the blame. Now, we already talked about – The running back situation not being the same this year with a a running back by committee because there's not really that number one guy that's been announced yet. I mean, um, Langford had a great game, but it was also against Western Michigan, Mm -hmm. a team that's returning one defense alignment to their team this year. Um, And then you talk about the quarterback situation. You talk about the lack of production from the receivers, how they dropped several balls, couldn't get any separation. And then there's... uh, Andrew Gleikert, the tight end, who's coming back this year, and he didn't have it. He had one catch for seven yards, like no offensive production. And then we are also dealing with a young offensive line as well. What do you think will have to happen for them to turn around to be relevant this year and avoid another seven and six season?
1: Well, I think for one, uh, they they need to form an identity. You look at all successful teams that really have have that that swagger, if you will, out on the field, and they all have an identity. They all have, you know, their bread and butter, what they do, and you know, if this team is going, if they have this team has to forge a new identity. I mean, you're looking at a team that yeah, lost you a new identity. They 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 lost Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. They lost Deion Sims. Cousins has been gone for two years. Maxwell hasn't really come into his own yet. So. It's just it's kind of an offense that is. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have some good players out there. However, we don't have. Nobody's saying this is Maxwell's team or this is Le'Veon Bell's team. We don't have that type of player this year. And what we'll, what I think we need is whether it's going to be the coaching staff that ha, that that makes a decision. To lead the team to an identity, saying, for instance, Connor Cook's our guy, or you know, Terry's our guy, or Maxwell's our guy, that may be it, or it may be decided on the field. So I'm talking a strong performance, and, and the team rallies behind an ind- individual, whether it would be a receiver, a running back, a quarterback, but. This the offense itself to me is they're not playing very confident right now and, and I I think that they need to find that. And that's uh it's not always easy to find and you know, I mean but uh Yeah.
0: I mean I would think that Mark D'Antonio would agree with you. Here's some of uh his quotes that he had after the game. We've got to convert on our offensive possessions. We had too many possessions in their territory that we didn't convert into points. Lack of explosive plays hurt us all night. We got to catch the football because we dropped too many footballs. We can't make mistakes and beat ourselves. We want to clean up those things, and at the end of the day, that's what matters is winning, and we won the game.
1: And so he's right. He's
0: right. They do walk away with a W. And, and it's it's big, but... At the same time, is I understand that quote. I understand where he's coming from. You know, you want to win games, and winning at the end of the day is the most important thing. And when you win, you can build on that win and like find better things from that. But at the same time, you were playing an inferior Mac opponent who have, who lost several pieces to their team last year. Who, like I said, returned one starter along the offensive line, uh, featured a quarterback. But that's that's the defense. Obviously, the defense showed up. But then again, the offense, the defensive side of the ball, only had like I think four returning starters on a MAC team. That these these are these are games where you have to step up and show what you what you got. These are teams that you get scheduled to it with at the beginning of the year because they are cupcake teams. Because it's it's to kind of build the momentum, which brings you right into the the swing of things against Big Ten opponents. I mean, we talked about their fut- uh, what they have coming up. With Youngstown State after this week. Uh, after, well, uh, obviously, South Florida this week, Youngstown State after that. But then we get into the meat of the schedule.
1: Yeah, I mean, right after we have South Florida, Youngstown State, both at home. And then we travel to Notre Dame and then to Iowa in back to back weeks. Oof. And uh, Oof. Uh, there's, there's a bye week in there. Pardon my, uh, my mistake there. Uh, but back to back games and very tough places to play. And yeah. South Bend.
0: And yeah. Iowa, oh, absolutely. And so
1: you're talking about, um, you know, what Antonio said. Yeah, we made mistakes. We can't beat ourselves. But did we win the game? Yeah, this week you did win the game. However, if you make those same mistakes versus a team like Notre Dame or versus a team like Iowa, you're not going to win the game. No, absolutely not. And so, you know, what does this team have to do to? Uh, to improve on that.
0: I think there's a ton of things that they have to do. I think they need to solve the quarterback position first and foremost. Like, how, do,
1: how do you feel about, uh, about the play calling last week? play calling? Uh, I mean, the play calling was there.
0: I, I disagreed with the fact that they kept rotating quarterbacks. I thought that was the number one thing. Uh, the play calling over, overall, I thought it was good play calling. I just don't think the players really executed. Like yeah. I said before, the receivers just didn't get any separation. When they were able to get separation, there were several times that Burbridge and and Langford and Fowler would drop the ball. They're, I mean, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure Aaron Burbridge had at least two or three drops that game by himself. I mean, the biggest play that we had offensively was Benny Fowler on a 26-yard slant route. And I mean, he caught the ball five yards away from the line of scrimmage, and he rounded the uh, to the outside of the field and got an extra 21 yards. Other than that, like nothing else was bigger than that. Um, Jeremy Langford at 18 yard run, that was our biggest play of the day. I mean, against Western, yeah, against Western. I can't say that enough. It's against Western, it's like you can't get a play over 20 yards against Western Michigan. You're in trouble when you go into South Bend, Indiana, with a better defense and a team that it and the thing is, like. The uh, offensive coordinator, Dave Warner, actually elated to the fact that they would press the box with seven to eight men, and they would play man coverage on the outside, which left the field wide open for Connor Cook and Maxwell, and nothing still was able to get done, and that, that terrifies me what's, what's in store for the rest of the season, because if you can't produce against Western, you are going to get just absolutely creamed by teams like Notre Dame and Iowa. And and Michigan near the end of the year.
1: I mean, yeah, Mm. look, an example of what we were just talking about. Look what U of M did last week for Central. I mean, that's kind of the same type of thing, same type of matchup, and they beat up on them big time. The whole game.
0: Big plays. I mean, Gardner had, granted, Gardner has been in the system for, no, Maxwell's been in the system for a while. He's a fifth year senior. He's. He's had a chance to learn everything behind Kirk Cousins. He's had the ability to become comfortable in the office. As if he and if he can't separate himself from a first year freshman, a red shirt freshman, and Connor Cook, who I believe is in his red shirt sophomore year, there's something wrong. Like there's there needs to be something else done. Like whether I just I, I don't really know what they can do, which is which is which is terrible because I don't think the Michigan State coaches know what to do. That's why they keep substituting people in. And if they don't know what to do, how, how are any of us as fans supposed to feel comfortable about this?
1: I agree. I completely agree. Well, uh, looking ahead, so this week we have South Florida. Yes. Who last week uh, they got absolutely destroyed <laughs> by a by t- same type of by, uh, same uh, type here. of
0: team. Well, for South Florida, um, it was it was just one of those games where it, it just started good, like for the Spartans. Uh, uh, Maxwell started the game off 5-for-5 versus Western, and South South Florida actually had an 80-yard run to start their game, the first game of the season, but after that, their defense just totally gave in, and they allowed 53 points. 53 points to McNeese State. How Exactly, you can't even put it into words. (laughs) 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 The whole game, though, (laughs) McNeese had a a total of 424 yards, a Two hundred forty-four through the air and 180 on the ground, and just, just a, a, an atrocious, an atrocious performance on defense.
1: Now, now with with a team. Sorry to cut you off. No, there. Now, so with a team, a defense that I mean it got absolutely burned by McNeese State. So most of you listening probably haven't even heard of McNeese State before. You know, McNeese State
0: is in Montana. I don't know. I just made that up.
1: Now, so you get McNeese State coming in there. They they do what they do. They come away with a huge win. Now, this South Florida team is coming in to East Lansing, uh, reeling off of that loss. Now, will they—this South Florida team comes into East Lansing, reeling off of that loss— is this the matchup that the Spartans need to work out those kinks, to get those things right, to start running those, catching those balls? You know, I mean, do you think that a strong performance against South Florida, against Youngstown, you know, if we can get something rolling here in the next couple of weeks, will that, will that be the key to kind of get the ball rolling on this season?
0: I think they have to show something. I think they have to come up big because if they don't, there's just going to be more criticism towards not just D'Antonio but like the offensive coordinator as well.
1: And if if, if Dave we Dave Warner, if we go the next two weeks, we're talking South Florida, Youngstown State, and we're heading into that that fourth game against Notre Dame, and there isn't a a clear cut winner at this this quarterback. Controversy, if that's what you want to call it, I and mean, it's it's going to get ugly.
0: It's going to get really ugly, and and D'Antonio can say all he wants to about oh, at the end of the day, if if, if a win's a win, if Michigan State goes into Notre Dame three and zero and still has the questions that they do today, they are going to get slaughtered yep. in South Bend, Indiana. So the whole argument of, oh, all that matters is we get a win. No, that's not all that matters. What matters is putting a good product on the field, a product that's going to compete against the same level of competition as yourself. When you beat lower-level competition barely and, and then say make an excuse by saying, oh, we still won, so don't worry. I mean, it, yeah, I'm sorry. We have a lot to worry about.
1: Yeah, when you're playing teams that are not in the same – class as as you would like to think your team is in and you're playing down to that competition and and you're you're not executing yeah i mean we i agree i completely agree i mean this team needs to if they're going to put a good product on the field like you said and they're going to play at that high level then you have to play to that level regardless of who you're playing regardless of who your opponent is and where you're playing and yeah It's not going to be perfect, you know. You're going to struggle at times. I mean, this is a tough schedule. However, tough conference. But however, it's just it's got to get better.
0: D'Antonio in the press conference Tuesday actually said, you know, right now he thinks the main focus is what we do, what they do internally at the quarterback position. So he said that they're going to look into things as the week progresses and make a decision by the end of the week who's going to start for Michigan State. He wouldn't say who's going to start. He just said, by the end of the week, we're going to evaluate everything through every single option that we have, whether that be Connor Cook, Maxwell, or Terry. Uh, we're just, we're, they're going to break it down, and they're going to decide from there who's going to be the starting quarterback. Now, for you, who would you want to see start at quarterback?
1: Connor Cook. Connor Cook? Absolutely. Why? Why not? I mean, because you look at what Maxwell did last year, it was less than stellar, less than than convincing. Maxwell had a whole season to earn the starting job, and he didn't. You have a a fan base who's divided right now. Half, say, leave it with Maxwell. The others want Cook, or some want Terry. So, I think that if you have that opportunity, you don't seize it, you... I mean, it's Maxwell. I think that Maxwell has not earned the position. I mean, you saw his play last year. His I mean, his play in the first game versus a a team like Western. It's it's just not convincing. It's very, uh, it's very Rex Grossman esque, and you know that's not what this team needs. And
0: Rex is our quarterback.
1: Yeah, and at least Lovey's stuck with Rex. Max
0: is our quarterback. Max is our quarterback. Max is our quarterback.
1: You know, give it to a guy who's hungry. Give it to a guy like Connor Cook, who has something to prove. Who has a little bit maybe of a chip on his shoulder after that Buffalo Wild Wings game, where he maybe he thought that he stepped up on the big stage and earned a spot to play and lead this team. Maybe he want you know. I, you need you need a guy like that that wants a ball that. And I I think um yeah, Cook didn't play very well either in week one. However, I think that uh, if it was my if it was my decision, you know, you have. You have a team like uh, South Florida in town who, I mean, you you can still get a win. Well, yeah, well, then give it to Cook. You can still get the win, and if he's not your guy, then you can go back to Maxwell again. But, I mean, like we said all show, I mean, this there's got to be a decision.
0: Well, at the beginning of the fall, before week one even happened, uh, Maxwell was named the quarterback. But before that even took place... Uh, D'Antonio came out and he made the statement that there was four options at quarterback. Now, if if every single person was even, don't you think that would be most logical to go with the youngest talent, the guy who could develop into something down the road and who has the most raw potential And Terry? I mean, I, I agree with what you say about Connor Cook. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I don't think Maxwell should be our starting quarterback. I think he's a, a great guy, but he just it doesn't have that game-changing ability. He even related to the after the game when during a press conference interview someone asked him if the uh skepticism over him was warranted and he said absolutely. He said if I can't produce touchdowns and I can't produce wins or if I can't take my team down the field then obviously there's something wrong and people should be skeptical over my play. And it's come to a point now where I just feel like you have to go with the youth. You have to try to see and, and, and at least see what he can do. And if he doesn't produce, oh well. Neither can your other two quarterbacks.
1: I, I agree. and I definitely think that there's some weight behind that. I mean, Cook's a sophomore. He's definitely he's young. I mean, he still has a lot of room to grow. And um, you know, the, with the thing with Maxwell, I mean, this he's he's been in the system. He's been behind Kirk Cousins. He's a senior. I mean. He, he i mean it's hard to even put it into words i mean
0: well we we we're beating a dead horse right now we've over said over. it over and over again what, what what we think the what we think the Spartans should do and it's going to like you said and and this is the final final topic on it they have to get it done they have to decide who they're going to go with because if they don't the season's going to be lost. If they go back and forth all year, they're going to get no offensive rhythm. They're going to get no one who's going to be that general, the guy who's going to go in the huddle, grab someone by the face mask and say, let's do this. I'm going to take you to this game. We're going to win.
1: Yeah. And, you know, coming into last season, Maxwell was a ju- Maxwell was a junior. He was behind Kirk Cousins. There was optimism there. There was reason to be excited about it, you know, but he, he hasn't really delivered on that promise. And I, I think at this point, He's had his shot. I don't think he seized it, and I think we have to turn to somebody else. So, I mean, we'll definitely see coming, you know, in the next few weeks what happens with uh, with the situation, and you know, we might have an answer.
0: Let's get off the uh, offense for a little bit and let's move on to the defense and talk about. Let's focus them.
1: on some positives. Let's,
0: here. Po- let's focus on some positives because we've been negative, Nancys, this entire time. Now, the defense was stout do you think they can continue that success throughout the rest of the season with the pieces that they have young team? I mean, Schleet Calhoun, Marcus rush on the outsides. They have Hoover in the center uh, at defensive tackle. So the same philosophy that the lions have almost with building that defensive love line that philosophy. I love it. I love it. Get pressure on the quarterback and through pressure on the quarterback, everything else will fall into place.
1: Yeah. And that's going to make things easier for an already talented secondary that this team has. And you know, I, uh, I mean, I just I I love the defensive line. I love the linebackers, and you know we have some depth there too. I mean, they're putting pressure on the quarterback, and they're making plays happen like we saw this week. I mean, couple interceptions. uh, What was the number on the total of sacks? I think it was
0: um, five total sacks. Um, That's just
1: that's crazy. That's great.
0: Oh, it was. It was a great game off defensively. Just a fantastic defensive performance. But once again grain of salt it was western <laughs> I mean I, I don't know how long this defense is going to be able to carry this team you have to have some offensive production I'm sorry we're slipping back into negative though I apologize
1: Now, but with this defense I think um, you know they, they are going to find some momentum in there and, and I mean this will carry over to the bigger games and we saw that last year I mean they really did step up uh, for for those uh, for those big type, type of games and uh, you know the, the defensive coordinator on this team. Mm-hmm. We love him.
0: Oh, oh Narduzzi's a man. So, um, here's the final stat line for Michigan State against Western. Max Bolo had nine tackles. Taiwan Jones had six. We're not going to go through every single tackle because that would be boring. So we're going to get to some of the key stats of the game. Uh, Danicos Allen, he had a sack. Marcus Rush, which we were talking about, had two sacks. Tyler Hoover had one sack. Denzel Drone had a half a sack. And Mark, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. He also had a half Mark a sack. Mark had a sack. Marcus had a sack. Marcus Scarpinato. Actually, I think that's exactly
1: how you do say it.
0: Marcus Scarpinato? Scarpinato? Is that it? Scorpionato? Scorpionato. We're going to keep that. Marcus <laughs> Scorpionato had a half a sack. <laughs> but overall, they had another force fumble, like I told you, turned into a touchdown.
1: Scarpinato.
0: Scarpinato. Is that how you pronounce it?
1: Scarpinato.
0: That is a fantastic last name. Scarpinato. Your see, your last name's easy to pronounce, so it's easy for you. Brown. Yours Anthony Grantham. See, a lot of people call me Grantham growing up. I can see that. Did you, you can... say that because I'm chubby?
1: No, I could see it, but the but the way your name. You No,
0: I don't believe you for a second. I think that was a fat joke, and I don't appreciate it. All right, but they had three interceptions on the day. Two two. Two total touchdowns for the defense, so the defense is going to be come up big. And I, so let's get back into this game versus South Florida that we have coming up on Saturday morning at one o'clock in it in East Lansing. Not
1: are we about to say Ann Arbor.
0: Let's talk about this game. Wow, Saturday at one o'clock in East Lansing. Okay, South Florida only was managed only managed to put up twenty one points versus this McNeese defense. So, what do you expect out of the Spartan defense come Saturday?
1: Uh, I expect, I expect a dominating performance, uh, such as um, even more so than I think we saw against Western. Uh, you know, when when you have these type of teams, these type of offenses uh, that are coming in, uh, I mean, this is a chance for you to really show what you can do and. and you know, maybe you rub it in a little bit. You know, I mean, I want a dominating <laughs> performance out of this team. And um, and I think we're going to get that. That's what I expect, uh, no less. And um, keep the pressure on the quarterback. You know, make make the quarterback, uh, you know, make some bad decisions. You know, make it a little bit easier on the rest of the defense. And, and I think everything else, as you said, will just fall into place.
0: Do you think the Spartans are one of those teams that could put just four down linemen and rush the passer and just – drop seven men into coverage. Like, I think that's a key to a lot of successful teams is the fact that if you can push more men in coverage and maybe run a three deep, four deep zone or or just man coverage on the outsides and then just run the ability to rush just four men and still get uh, applied pressure is key. We saw that versus Western. I mean, there were several blitz blitz packages that were put on on the defensive side of the ball. But it, once again, it was against Western. Do you think that will be successful against Big Ten teams, or uh, or against Notre Dame in Week Four?
1: I don't see it uh, maybe being as effective as it was versus Western, but that doesn't mean that it won't be an effective strategy going forward. I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, playing it, you know, I don't, I mean, if there's any people, Western people listening, which I highly doubt there are. However, I, I, you know, we're just bashing Western right now. I mean,
0: and it feels so good. It does. It feels so <sighs> good. We need to bash on something other than this terrible, ungodly, awful Spartan offense. <laughs> I d- it's true it, it's absolutely true we've been just criticizing them the entire time we need something else to criticize what about the Minnesota Vikings Firemillan Firemillan get them out of here
1: no I um, so I don't know I don't think it'll be as effective as it was against Western you know when you play teams uh, you know v- like, like, uh, you know, I was, was four and eight last year. Iowa, I think, is going to be a lot better this year, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you get teams like uh, Michigan, you know, uh, Purdue's no Which I mean, once you get in the Big Ten, I mean, every game is a battle, you know. We've seen that time and time again in this conference. I mean, it's you, we're really gonna have to mix things up a little more. Oh, absolutely. I, I just,
0: I just love the fact that the beginning of the year, this offseason, a lot of people have been talking about the fact that we don't play Ohio State or Wisconsin this year. Two big two big time opponents in the Big Ten. and A lot of people were talking about that that was going to be an advantage for us, a key component to our success this year. Regardless of the fact that we play at Notre Dame and we play Michigan, and we have a game in Nebraska, which is always a tough game, and like you related to earlier, against uh, at Iowa. And each of those games are going to be tough but there's just there's just something to be said about a team that is dealing with this amount of adversity during the first week of the season not just not just from the quarterback play which is getting a lot of flack but on the offensive side of the ball too so i just really struggle to see this defense being able to carry this offense the entire season
1: which i you know i I don't think that that you know. They say defense wins championships, and you know it is important.
0: I always hated that saying.
1: I, I do too. I, I cannot
0: stand it. There are so many different factors that go into it.
1: And the the bottom line is is you know yeah defense helps win championships, but defense alone doesn't win championships. You have to have you have to be able to put points on the board and you have to. and you know this team. I mean, the schedule's not easy. I mean, you have a stretch in November where you're playing Michigan, and then after the bye, you got at Nebraska, at Northwestern. I mean, just teams that in the Big Ten, they'll beat you. You know, if you show up and you're less than uh, prepared and you're you're not bringing a great product to the table, I mean, you'll you'll get stunned. We've seen it time and time again over the, over the, the course of the past few seasons with, with teams that... You know, and we end up barely winning, or we'll end up. For instance, uh, the the Michigan game last year. I yeah. mean, that that was a game where we we should have won, uh, we should have won big. I I think. And bottom line is, is I mean, it came down to a missed field goal, but uh, we couldn't put points on the board, and we ended up losing. I mean, our defense did play well that game, but we didn't win the game. So I think uh, you know, as we've been talking about, I mean, something's got to be figured out.
0: Well, we talk. Well, we just talked about it just a second ago. How the defense ranked number four last year in total defense. And, and and ever since D'Antonio took over this team several years ago, three consecutive years, the defense has been in the top three. With Narduzzi, like we talked about him being uh, an absolute catalyst to that success. And, you know, just down the road, we just can all hope that the the offense is able to get things together, that we're able to find a solution at quarterback, that the receivers will able to to break from their routes a little easier that they can actually find their hands that D'Antonio said was there during the off season. He said they had no trouble catching the balls during the off season, but so for some reason the first week of the season, they maybe maybe they had butterflies. Who knows? I mean, I mean there the, there has been times where teams have come out stale in the first game of the season and then absolutely dominated the rest of the way through so maybe that's a case.
1: Yeah, I I mean,
0: I mean let's look at this the glass half full here.
1: Yes, I I don't I mean I do want to look at the glass half full. I just I can't think that we can chalk up what we didn't see or what was lacking in week 1 to a case of the butterflies. However, <laughs> I mean I one thing that we haven't talked about are are the receivers, the tight ends. I mean, you know, that another position that's been kind of unstable this year with uh, with the changes in I mean, what do you think that we should be looking for in the coming weeks from those positions. I mean, you already touched on it a bit with the receivers, but tight end?
0: Oh, I mean, with the loss of Deion Sims, that was absolutely huge. But then again, Deion Sims was never really a receiving threat and to begin with for the Spartans. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's like, what, 6'5", 6'6", six six, 270 pounds? He could barely even run a five, <laughs> a 5 second 40. He could catch the ball, though. He could catch the ball, but at the same time, he never stretched the field vertically.
1: And and they don't, I mean, this is uh, a team that hasn't really overly overutilized the tight end position.
0: No, no. Well, we Keith Mumphrey, Aaron Burbridge, Benny Flower, Jeremy Langford, and McGarrett Kings, who's actually going to be starting for us this week, McGarrett Kings. All these guys are returning from last year. None of these guys are freshmen. None of these guys... Don't they're not um, comfortable with the offense? They 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 know the system. They know D'Antonio's system, and yet they still struggle with their their uh, their, their routes and like have have difficulties catching the football. I mean, and they,
1: you, you can say what you want to about the quarterback and you know the the instability there, and and he should start or he should start, but I mean that's not gonna make you catch a football. Mm. Mm-hmm. it's true.
0: It's very true. It's very true. So what do you look for in week two versus South Florida? What, do you, what are you looking for, for them to achieve? Uh, the receivers? The, everything. Everything in general. I'm not just talking about the receivers. I'm not just talking about the quarterback, the tight ends. Um, just everything in general. What do they need to accomplish next week, this Saturday, excuse me, to, to get rid of all the doubts?
1: I, I you're always going to have mistakes on a football team but I, w- I want to see the mistakes limited I want to see the quarterbacks completing passes I want to see the receivers catching balls I mean yeah you're going to make mistakes you're going to have penalties you're going to but the the inexcusable mistakes are like a drop ball on a where you need to catch it i mean that kind of stuff needs to stop and um, i think this is the perfect team to to work out those kinks against in, in the south florida bulls and you know hopefully we can come out and you know run some good routes catch some footballs make good passes i mean maybe stretch the field out a little bit you know i mean have somewhat of an identity on offense and um and you know, I mean, I, the the defense. I think I think we're going to see another great performance out of them. But if uh, if the offense can really limit those mistakes, they don't have to put up 500 yards. But no. I just I want to see a team that that is it shows uh, a little consistency. Yeah, that that looked at the game film from from the Western game and identified their mistakes and wants to improve on them.
0: I think that's what we need to see as fans as well. Just that the the ability. I mean. D'Antonio said in his press conference that he wanted to see more explosive plays. I, I don't even need to see that. I just want to see a little stability. Yeah, I want to see them be able to move down the field and get a touchdown. I don't care if it's an explosive play that gets a touchdown. I just want to see them move the ball on a consistent basis against an inferior team, something that they should have done last week. And I know you joked about the fact that it could have been butterflies, but I mean, I'm hoping – that's a case i'm i'm just hoping that maybe it was just the case of the jitters during week 1 you see people you see teams uh, have a lot of mental errors in the first weeks of the season and maybe that was just it maybe they just weren't focused and uh, it could have been the rain delays it could have been so many other factors yeah, and
1: and that was that's another factor that we haven't really touched on is i mean the the whole you know momentum and the whole psychological aspect of the game and then you know having to go through warm-ups again after the rain delay oh, yeah. and and i mean that that did have an effect it was funny because
0: like actually at the beginning of the game max bowl was like in front of the whole team like getting them all rowdy before the game actually kicked off. And then there was that hour rain delay, like an hour and a half, maybe rain delay. It lasted forever. And they came back onto the field afterwards. And they were, he was doing the same thing, the same exact process at the beginning of the game after the rain delay. And it's like, that's gotta have a, a side effect on your team. Like, I mean, you sit in the locker room for what an hour, hour and a half, just sitting there, just collecting your thoughts. You're You're going to lose a lot of that momentum that you had. But the thing is, and this is why I'm skeptical because they never had momentum to begin with. Like, like I said, like there was that first drive, that first initial drive, where Maxwell was five for five. The offense so good, everything was clicking, and just all of a sudden they crossed the fifty and they got into Bronco territory, and it just was done. Yeah, like nothing was clicking. Langford couldn't break any big plays. Uh, they tried Bolo. He couldn't get more than like five or six yards. At it, it just it wasn't. Nothing was working for them. And as we talked about with the tight ends. Um, Andrew Gleikert had just one catch for seven yards, and he was he wasn't targeted any other time besides that.
1: And, and yeah, you have a struggling quarterback who's you know struggling to to make completions. Completion percentage is, is not there. I mean, oh, d- did I tell you the completion percentage? I, we didn't get the raw numbers. Overall, their total
0: per, like not their percentage, but overall, I'm terrible at math. It was 17 for 37 for 116 yards. That's less than 50. That's less than 50 percent. That's unacceptable in a college in college football.
1: So, uh, so but, this week should they target the tight ends more? Should they do more of those those little short routes? I think they
0: should. Uh, that's the thing. You you asked me earlier how was their play calling, and and I, and I led to the fact that I didn't really think it was that bad of play calling. You know, I just didn't think they were able to produce. But maybe it was lack of play calling. Maybe it was just a lack of producti- productivity from the offense completely. A lot of people, like you said, want to blame the quarterback, but like it was just a terrible, terrible performance from the offense. But
1: like we said, we really are beating that dead we horse.
0: We are beating that dead horse really bad, but it's so easy to beat down. You should have heard like D'Antonio talking the. Pre- <laughs> you should have heard him talk in the press conference about uh, like all the questions that he received from the quarterback position. Like literally, people like the, <laughs> the people, the interviewers had to ask. I'm sorry, Mister Dantonio, but this is a question about quarterbacks again. He's like, "All right, whatever. Go ahead and ask me, anyways." And it is getting old, but like it's something that's going to continue throughout the season unless something's figured out. Like we said, fifteen different times throughout this show,
1: at least fifteen, at least sixteen, at least yeah, twenty. But I Maybe mean, thirty. They, like, I just want to touch on one more thing, and and Go. so in regards to the quarterback situation. <laughs> So, Sorry. throughout training camp, there was uh, there was a question: there was you know who's the starter, who's the starter before week one. D'Antonio named Maxwell the starter with the butt. Connor Cook will get some playing time. I mean, is that really even naming a starter?
0: No, not really. And what's, yeah,
1: this guy will play the first series. Yeah, type of thing.
0: Yeah, and, and Maxwell only got three series, and then Connor Cook came in. It's not like he even gave him a legitimate shot. It's just like, oh, you weren't able to move the ball off three series, so you know what, Cookson? Sorry, bro. <laughs> really? Like, you talk about lack of productivity on offense. Maybe it's because you didn't even give your starting quarterback a chance. Like, what does that say to your team when you pull your quarterback just after three series? Three series. Could you imagine that? If, like, Stafford had three bad series against, uh, against the Minnesota Vikings in week one on Sunday and, and Sean Hill's put in. What would that say to the team? What would that say to the fans? Oh, that would never happen. Well, it would never happen because Stafford is just absolutely Mm -hmm. wonderful.
1: Now, I mean, it's not like he pulled a Ty Detmer and threw seven interceptions in one game. (laughs) He didn't even have an interception. That's the thing. I mean, and he completed his first five attempts. And we were talking about that. Like, if he would have had a
0: terrible, terrible start through three picks on three drives, I think it would have been warranted. But it wasn't. It was uh, just two, three stagnant, well, well, actually one drive that started initially well and then two stagnant drives afterwards
1: so you know uh and i, I don't think that's the way to build momentum i no. mean if if you have a running back who's not running the ball and you can't get anything going you maybe switch the, you switch the running back out you try to get something going you maybe try to pound it up the middle stretch something out on the outside same thing with the receiver if he's dropping a ball you put somebody else in but uh, the quarterback's a different position in that sense where you don't just you know throw guys in and out
0: you can't do that because you're never going to develop chemistry within the offense. Because like we said earlier, that guy is the field general. That guy who calls the plays, who, who audibles at the line of scrimmage, who who rallies his team, who who is the calming influence in that huddle. And you keep switching him out for someone who's who's fresh and doesn't have any rhythm with the receivers. Who doesn't have that, I just didn't like... How Dan Antonio approaches if he didn't want Maxwell starting the game or he had any questions about Maxwell starting the game then go with Connor Cook and start him for the entire game and if Connor Cook failed in week one versus Western then start Maxwell in the second week and see how he does and then if Maxwell fails maybe try Terry like we said in week three this is why we play crap teams at the beginning of the season. Pardon me. <laughs> this is why we team. This is why we play below-average teams at the beginning of the season. Is because you want a chance to see where your team is, where they stand, how your players feel in this system, like how how.
1: But but it is por- it is important for a quarterback to stay in for an entire game. That's that's part of the process. It's a battle. You make adjustments after the quarter. You make adjustments at halftime. You make adjustments after every drive. How are you supposed to to build off that and, and you know keep reading the defense and trying to make those adjustments when when oh, actually no, sitting, uh, you know you're sitting Maxwell's going to go in next quarterback you know, next next drive next series. I mean, could you, it, could
0: you imagine that? Like oh. you, you starting for you're you're a hockey man. You love hockey. You, you've been thinking that you're going to start this whole week, and after just three bad series, your coach comes up to you. Well, it's it's different in hockey. It's way different. It's like, a hockey.
1: series. In That's hockey?
0: a terrible, terrible, terrible example. Let me start that over well, again.
1: For, let's say baseball. Let's say baseball. You go start games without getting a hit. Exactly, which is that happens. Yeah. You don't get pulled. No, you know, if you go for you know thirty, you might maybe take a day off. Absolutely, I mean
0: it's warranted then. But at the same time, you get where I'm. You get what I'm saying. It's, yeah. You didn't even give him a chance. Like he comes off the field, and D'Antonio comes up to him and says, "You know what? You're done. Sorry." He's like, well, "Are you serious? Like, I, I played three series. You you can't even give me a chance to prove to you I can succeed."
1: And and then uh, there's a lot of emotions going on in that too because. You know, okay, you're on a high. You started the game, and you go down low. You, you uh, the backup comes in, and then you know, a half hour later, he says you're going back into the game now. You know, it's just riding a roller coaster.
0: Riding that roller coaster, real good. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just seems like this is a trend that is going to get really, really, really tiresome, even if they continue in week two, like. I, I don't want to see this I'm again. I'm tired talking about it. I'm dude. tired talking about it. I'm exhausted. I'm about to fall asleep. And so, so how are they doing it? How? <laughs> it was miserable to watch. Like, just in the press box. Just watching them continuously go back and forth and just not producing at all. But we're not going to get into this again. We're not going to talk about this anymore. We've already... We've been talking We've been it. talking about this the entire time. The entire time. So... I think it's
1: important to talk about.
0: It is. It is. It's, it's crucial be because the, the quarterback position is the most important position on the field of for any football team.
1: As talking we said to earlier.
0: someone oh, as we said earlier, we were talking, <laughs> talking, to someone earlier about it, and and could you think of one college football team that's found success with with not having an established quarterback? And don't say Trent Dilfer for the Baltimore Ravens back in 2000 because that doesn't count.
1: Well, that's not college. That's That's not college.
0: And once again, we're going to go back to that argument with, oh, the defense won the championship for Baltimore. No, they also had a great running game too. I think that's what wins championships. A great running game and a great defense.
1: It's it's great and to a have a good coach. They have Brian
0: Billick. They did have Brian Billick, who also loves the Lions. So you can't go wrong with Brian Billick. He has a man crush on Stafford. I'm telling you, that's why
1: I have a man crush on Billick.
0: I have a man crush on Billick. I don't blame you for having man crush on Billick. I hope he's announcing the game on Sunday for the Lions. That would really make me happy. That would make me extremely happy. What a great way to start the season! But hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Spartan Red Zone. Once again, I'm your host, Derek Grantham. Anthony Brown, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks me, you for having me, Derek. I appreciate it. All right, well, I hope we'll have you join us very soon. Thank you for listening.